Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. At the moment, I would say um, diet culture is what you might see on television, like advertisements about different, um, or social media probably more, advertisements about different diets you should try and maybe try the keto diet or few years ago it was the paleo diet or the 5-2 or the fasting or just don't eat at all and then 10, 10 years ago it was you know a real focus on getting rid of fat and now we're trying to get rid of sugar and you know those are real evidence like real simple this is what diet is telling us to do mm-hmm. um, mm. and I guess for me I'm an advocate for breaking that down and talking more about each person's individual diet culture and because we all have such unique bodies the voice that you just heard was that of the wonderful Naomi Crosby, uh, who is a dietitian who, a little bit later in the episode, we are going to chat to about the wild world of diet culture. Welcome to this month's Taboo Tuesday. This is the monthly segment where we take a stigmatized topic in the media and we attempt to destigmatize it. We would like to acknowledge that we are recording this episode on stolen Ghana land. Uh, We would like to pay our respects to all elders, past, present and emerging, and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. So today we're going to be chatting about the concept of diet culture. And it was interesting because when we talked with Naomi, my perspective of what diet culture is kind of shifted a bit. Mm. Um, But I think it's quite a weighted term. And at least before we talked to Naomi about this, my understanding was that diet culture was... Uh, these systems within our society um, that are fueled by the diet industry and the beauty industry where um, people who are, you know, unhappy with the way we look or with our bodies, which, you know, our media perpetuates perpetuates and encourages, um, (laughs) continually try to go on these like crash diets or um, restrict what we eat and have quite a negative um, or unhealthy relationship with food to try and work Mm. towards these unattainable beauty standards and and it's also like very closely linked with uh fat phobia because like oh you can't be overweight here try this diet you will intrinsically gain more value as a person Mm -hmm. please let me emphasize how sarcastic that is (laughs) even though i think it was obvious very obvious but it was interesting because when we talked to naomi about it she is she kind of posited this view and I really like her perspective of it that diet culture can be a really beautiful thing it's just about the relationship that a society has Mm. with with food and with meals and with that kind of ritual and she was talking about how like you know it's kind of a a normalized thing at least in in western culture that you're like oh let's go out for a cup of coffee and we'll catch up and that's like it's like a ritual that you have associated Mm. with something that you consume that is like kind of lovely yeah and it was also really lovely talking to somebody uh who is is qualified and actively mm. working in that field because i feel like a lot of the information that we receive about diet culture comes from really unreliable sources mm. particularly celebrities lots of um influencers, influencers on the gram who have been 
who've been like uh, paid or sponsored by these ad- uh, by these diet companies and uh, are advertising them. And it, you know, it takes somebody like uh, Jamila Jamil, for example, mm. to kind of stand up and actively call out and fight against these practices. Uh, I know she's gone on record a lot of times, particularly against the, the Kardashians and the fact that they are saying, oh, just take this powder and you'll lose yeah. all that weight that you Here's don't want. this weight loss shake. It's literally a laxative. Yeah. You're going to just shit out everything that you just ate. Congratulations. <laughs> but now you're thin. Now you're thin, and that's what's important, that's obviously. That's what matters. So I think potentially where I was getting led astray is that I think that the the greater issue is with the diet industry yeah. rather than diet culture. Like definitely um, in Western society at least and like in an increasingly globalized world, it's becoming um, more global, go figure. But um, there are facets of our diet culture that are problematic, but I think that the real issue is with the diet industry that is pushing that. Mm-hmm. But we can actually... Like I, I got very inspired from talking to Naomi about this, the idea that we can actually shift um, our societal relationship with food and seeing it as something that nourishes us and that's something that can be part of our community and our mm-hmm. culture and our, uh, and our rituals without having to restrict it and have this yeah. um, like morality attached to food. Diet has certainly become a restricted term. Like it, yeah, it is yeah. about like literally reducing or completely changing what you consume in order to uh, adhere to to societal standards. Yeah, and Naomi said this, I'm not even sure, I think this might have even been in the chat before we started recording, but she said, like, diet literally just means what you eat. Mm. Like, it's not synonymous with restricting something, but that's how it's become known and how, how it's now used in our language, which... It's a real shame. Yes. And also kind of indicative of like societal-wide relationship that we have with food. Yeah. And I guess another point that I want to make is that usually in Taboo Tuesdays, we demonstrate how whatever stigmatized issue that we're talking about is represented in media. And like we can take three or four kind of choice examples. But having negative relationships with food and restricting what you eat and trying to manage what you eat to try and... Uh, shrink yourself into ideal beauty standards mm-hmm. is literally everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> it's so hard to kind of pick and choose. And it's also because um, diet culture, the diet industry, is very much linked with with other issues that are kind of more easy to point out and define, like fat phobia, mm. like unrealistic standards of beauty. Like eating disorders. Like eating disorders, yeah. uh, which which are topics that we would like to cover in future episodes. Definitely, um, definitely. But it was really difficult for us to find like specific examples about this because it, it's so pervasive and ingrained, and particularly in films and television. Mm. when like, And advertising. And advertising, where the people in the films and TV and advertising don't look like people. <laughs> Like they, they look like what Hollywood tells you a person should look like because if you want to look like that, then you have to go out and buy the new crazed diet that'll help you get there. Uh, and I suppose <clears throat> to, to me the distinction with feminism is clear, but just to really um, explicitly articulate it, to me this is a feminist issue because of the links to fat phobia, because of the links to eating disorders, because of the links to unrealistic standards of beauty which um can all be affect and um be experienced by 
people of any gender, but I would say predominantly uh, um, impact women and non-men. Yeah. Yeah. So um, hence us talking about this on a feminist podcast. Who knew? Look out. <laughs> so let's, let's get into it. Let's cross, uh, cross over to our interview with Naomi and I hope you enjoy. Welcome to Feminism Ruins Everything, Naomi Crosby. How you doing, Naomi? Oh, thank you. Oh, I'm really good. How are you doing today, Nim? Great, thanks. Very, very excited doing okay. to be talking to you. <laughs> and how are you doing, Ellen? I'm, I'm doing great. Thank you so much. Oh, great. Welcome to my, yeah, my <laughs> intros of your podcast. Thank you so much for having us on your intro. You're so welcome. Today, I would just like to introduce you both. Miriam. <laughs> Is Miriam your, uh, anyway. <laughs> So we, <laughs> we are so excited to be talking to you today, Naomi, because you can offer us some expertise and some insight um, into this topic that we think is going to be really valuable. Um, so we today want to, with you, dive into uh, the terrifying world that is diet culture and uh, get, I really wish that our listeners could see your face right now because <laughs> you have fantastic expression. On point facial expressions. Expressive facial expressions to uh, uh, demonstrate your distress around this topic. Um, <laughs> but as a uh, recently graduated dietitian, you have a lot of insight into this topic. Do you want to tell us, before we dive specifically into diet culture, sort of just about what dietetics are and what you do? Mm, thank you. Yeah. Ooh, I guess a lot of people do ask about what is a dietitian? Like I've heard of, I've heard of it briefly, maybe like an auntie's cousin's uncle's wife. <laughs> Everyone seems to have some sort of connection with it, but I personally didn't know anyone before I went into it. So a dietitian is someone who studied at university. Um, it's normally about a four year pathway in Australia and then in the other countries, something similar. Sometimes you have to have a master's pathway as well, but regardless, it's a uh, university qualification which explores physiology and biochemistry and food systems. And um, by the end of the degree, you've got a good foundation of how the body works and what happens when you put food into it. Um, and then we apply that as a science and I guess as a philosophy kind of counselling techniques to different kinds of populations um, in a one-on-one -on -one setting for people who are kind of going through some medical issues or they want to stop some medical issues, like prevent them from getting worse. Um, yeah, all that, things like that. And we work with, you know, anyone and anything, I guess, any situation. Um, yeah, that's kind of what happens there. But you can also see dietitians working in public health, trying to, you know, on a populational level, slow down the rate of disease that pops up in our stats. Uh, and also work in like food systems like hospitals or, you know, for shopping, shopping markets or farmers markets or you know, even agriculture. And more and more relevantly for today, there's more dietitians working in the media trying to advocate for evidence-based knowledge and just calming down the energy and the loudness of dieting. What is the kind of the main difference between a dietitian and like a nutritionalist, for example? Mm. That's a real hot question. Um, and well, I guess to be clear, I'm a nutritionist and a dietitian. So when people go through that university pathway, you study nutrition and dietetics is that kind of clinical scientific application of nutrition, the science. 
Um, The difference probably in practice is that nutritionists um, don't often work for government or hospital institutions and they'll um, sometimes work, you know, really do really good work for um, kind of health promotion organisations or community classes, which dietitians do as well. So I guess I practice as a nutritionist and a dietitian. Um, But I guess the thing to always mention is I have some absolute super duper colleagues who are nutritionists. Um, but there is ways to be qualified as a nutritionist without going to a certified kind of place. So that's the only thing to be aware of is if you're seeing a nutritionist, make sure that their experience is um, sound. But yeah, that's not to say that there isn't some amazing nutritionists and I love working with both of them. (laughs) That. Amazing. No, I mean, the reason that I specifically wanted to talk to you today about diet culture is because you um, have some really fantastic like social media platforms where you advocate for um, a lot of great causes, including um, a lot of stuff about destigmatizing um, many aspects of uh, the body and of people's eating habits. And um, you're a fantastic advocate in that regard. And I know that debunking and dismantling diet culture is something that you're really passionate about. So I'd love to hear from you exactly what is diet culture and um, how do we see it crop up in our day-to-day lives? I love (laughs) to hear that um, what I'm putting out there is being picked up and shared and I love, yeah, it's a privilege to share it today. I guess just to clarify, maybe I'll ask you, what do you think culture is? Like if you were to say what makes up a culture and then I'll work off that for diet. I guess I would imagine culture would be some level of like societal consensus, Mm. like some, some shared beliefs, some shared philosophies, shared habits um, within Mm. a community, however big or small. And I I think culture kind of implies some sort of uh, tradition maybe in that it's Mm. not just what we now have agreed upon. It's kind of what, the past generations have kind of said this is the way we do things and this is part of the the way that we that we operate and the way that we go about with each other oh i love that i only asked that because i think yeah we if i say diet culture without getting into culture it becomes even more like intense because it seems like this one thing that seems to rule it all but i think diet is influenced by the greater culture as well um but if we were to talk about just diet culture um I would say as a dietitian, it's something that can be quite harmful to how people interpret the evidence or the advice you give them. And it also stops people from being able to be free in their eating habits and things like that. Um, As you mentioned, Ellis, culture is something we pull from like the past and the history and it comes to now. And as you said, it's like a collection of how everyone's kind of seeing things. So diet culture is a very unanimous experience, but depending on where you are and what your upbringing and what your socioeconomic status is, the way you interpret what the world is telling you about what to eat um, also is different. So it's kind of like this really unique, different thing, but also everyone shared it. At the moment, I would say um, diet culture is what you might see on television, like advertisements about different, um, or social media probably more, advertisements about different diets you should try and maybe try the keto diet or a few years ago it was the paleo diet or the 5-2 or the fasting or just don't eat at all and then 10 10 years ago it was you know a real focus on getting rid of 
fat and now we're trying to get rid of sugar and you know those are real evidence like real simple this is what diet is telling us to do mm-hmm. um mm. and i guess for me i'm an advocate for breaking that down and talking more about each person's individual diet culture and because we all have such unique bodies like you've got blonde hair Mim, and i've got brown hair and ellis um you've got glasses and, oh you both have glasses, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <I> have glasses. <laughs> and in the same way like we we have different palettes and we live in, we both live in different parts of the world and um, our diet cannot be the same and it can't just change with like fashion. It needs to be a response to our own kind of physiology and sociology and things like that. I would say often can be quite negative and very toxic, but I, I do believe that it can be quite positive. Um, and even the diet culture of, at the moment, people go out for coffee all the time. And I think that's just a way to catch up. And, and that's a part of diet culture that I love. Um, I'm personally, I've just moved to a new state. So meeting up for coffee or a meal is like the most beautiful part of this diet culture thing that otherwise, what, you know, what can you share with someone that is so unanimous? Everyone, everyone eats. Yeah. So what I'm kind of picking up is that, you know, currently this um, communal idea that we have around food is that to be quite restrictive and to cut out certain food groups or to be really selective in what you eat is kind of the the norm, the way that we as a society think about food, um, which can have quite toxic implications, but that, you know, culture can change and we can move towards like a healthier culture around what we eat. Yeah, I think so. Um, because I mean, I always say this when I get to talk about it is that the word diet comes, I'm pretty sure and did, I don't speak Greek, but I looked <laughs> it up for some university presentation a while ago and diet comes from the Greek diata or it's probably pronounced much nicer. And that in that language, all those years ago, it meant a way of life. And mm. now we use diet and we associate it as restriction of calories or food groups and um, something that people have to be on or they say, I'm on a diet, I, cannot, I can't eat that. And it's, it's lost its life. And so, yeah, I think if culture can come back to the origin of dieta, well, <laughs> I really wish I could say it in a nice <laughs> accent. But, um, Any Greek listeners out there want to help us with today, pronunciation, we'd appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, forgive me and thank you. Um, yeah, so I think there's definitely room for growth and even it might be looking to certain cultures and learning from them, um, from where we're at and saying, oh, some other people are actually kind of doing this because it's really embedded in their value systems. Mm. Mm. What are some of the ramifications from having a very toxic diet culture pervasive in society? I love that. I love this thought topic because... Um, we need to think about this quite seriously. And I, again, a lot, um, a lot of people, and all of us have been involved in entertainment industry and we see a lot of media about it. Um, but yeah, it's sometimes hard to mention because it's, it's got a real, really poor stigma. But of, um, eating disorders like anorexia nervosa and bulimia um, and, other, and others in that category, they're um, a really obvious and a very subtle result of how we treat our bodies as a collective thought. Um, so that that's something we need to work on. But also with some of the clients I get to work with, they we come in and, uh, and at the same time as telling people to restrict and stop and you know, no, say no to this, say, 
listen, oh, listen <laughs> to the body. Um, we, those people come in, people come in and they might have a, a chronic disease. Maybe they've got diabetes or a cardiovascular condition. Um, and having that mentality of saying no to things actually doesn't help the nutrition therapy or any therapy because they're told that they don't know how to, that they don't have autonomy over their body choices. And um, it, it just causes a bit of a barrier in between someone maybe needing to make some lifestyle changes and reduce a few food groups that we don't want to um, over overuse. Um, but making those changes, you just, you haven't got that connection with your body and trust of your body um, and trust in yourself that you know, you know what your body needs, um, which is a whole nother conversation um, <laughs> kind of termed intuitive eating. Um, but yeah, so I think it's just because telling people this is what you need to do and you need to stop um, that kind of happens maybe from the age of five onwards from birthday parties, no more cake. Fair enough. So it gets a bit sick if you eat too much cake. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I would say really every every kind of disease and then obviously um people just enjoying a, a nice healthy meal and or a nice you know enjoyable meal regardless of its health status um that that can be taken away from people for years if not their whole life if we don't intervene and and give people the freedom back um whilst you know educating about good choices that you can make every day what i take away from what you're saying is that to the really extreme ends, like it can contribute to um, really serious eating disorders, but in a more subtle way, um, it can just kind of like take the the joy out of food for a lot of us. Yeah. And practically, um, if I had a client, let's call him Bill, Bill comes in and um, for some of his life, he, it, maybe he started as a football player and he exercised a lot and he had to eat all the food in the world because his body really needed a lot of like energy to get that running done because that's a hard game. Maybe he also worked in a laborious job. So he did that and now he's maybe 35, 40 um, and doesn't do the same activity, which is totally fine. And his eating has not changed and, you know, 35, 40, still eating the same things, gets to 50. Uh, and his doctor says, you've got this disease, go see a dietitian. And this, you know, this person hasn't been given the chance to kind of think about what um, they want to eat um, or why they're at the diet, you know, making that link, like, how am I here? You know, I was really healthy. It just feels like it just happened overnight. And now I've got this quite life-changing disease where I have to take medications and see things. And I'm, you know, worried about this, that, and the other. Um, and I think a, a diet culture that doesn't address um, all parts of food, not, not like, and it doesn't talk about the, you know, really give highlights and give light and time to like a, a nutritious, fibrous, colorful, you know, plate. Um, I think that also will impact on the amount of people experiencing chronic disease in the world and Australia. So the way that diet culture seems to be most visible, as far as I'm aware, is on social media. Uh, and particularly where you get a lot of people who are advocating a lot of celebrities who are like advocating like, Oh, I started this diet and I lost X amount of weight. And now I look aesthetically pleasing. You should all do the same. In what way do you think that that is stimulating the harmful toxic nature surrounding diet culture? Like are celebrities helping? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. This is a, this is a sweet, sweet, sad point um, 
because I think, yeah, celebrities do obviously harbour all of the power with people, you know, training, you know, what are they doing? They're, you know, they're the goals, you know, you know diet goals, life goals, even anyone, a celebrity or anyone that everybody's looking at, we seem to set these goals based on one person's experience with life, which is quite fun. And sometimes it can be really enjoyable and there's really great role models out there. Um, but as I, um, as I often say, just like Mim and Ellis, you've got glasses and I don't. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Have glasses. So we have different eyesight needs. Um, I really like wearing the color like royal blue, but other people hate wearing that color. And, um, you know, in the same way, you can kind of apply that to everything related to your experience and your engagement with life. Um, and I often talk about even like poo. Everybody has different kind of responses um, to poo. Some people like find it absolutely disgusting and gag from it. And some people, you know, don't mind at all. When you're a kid, it's kind of exciting. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, that it's just there's different things that our body just create without us even thinking. Um, and when we eat, and when we make choices, it's all unique as well. And so when we have celebrities or influencers promoting something and saying that it worked for them and therefore it will work for you, it's just with that in mind, it just doesn't work because it might not. And even say, just focusing on one way to do something isn't really going to be sustainable. Mm. We've seen it like a lot with the recent um ketogenic kind of movement and five two movement which is like um, two days of the week you only have 500 calories um or something like that um and what well, all of these other kind of fads the paleo movement the no sugar movement they're all you know they're well intended but they get this kind of weird energy behind it and then people are on it and then and then you know you've got some big kind of leaders walking around saying this is what it needs to look like this is what you need to be successful and valuable and, you know, as yeah. you say, aesthetically pleasing, um, which is, again, a whole nother problem, mm. <laughs> aesthetic, you know, body types. But the then you've got, you know, just every day, you know, you and me, just normal people trying to, you know, make their way and think that they need to follow this whole movement because apparently it's what you need to do. Mm. Um, yeah. And so the individualized diet approach is what I've, recommend and what dietitians and other mm. health professionals I think ought to be recommending is people knowing that knowing their own bodies and their own needs um, and you know merging that with I think what the recommendations are it's pretty much lots of fruits and vegetables and exercise and water <laughs> which hasn't changed ever and I don't think it ever <laughs> will change because 
humans have been thriving on these food groups since we existed. Mm. Um, that's what I, I always come back a bit to that. I'm like, if anybody ever starts saying fruit and vegetables aren't, you know, good. And then there's some celebrities walking around saying, we're just going to eat meat. You know, that's definitely, I lost so much weight on that. Um, yeah. So that's, that's oh, the vegetarian is cringing over here. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but just be careful. Cause I mean, hopefully we can slow down the diet culture energy, by but I think, yeah, there definitely was a little bit of one of those at one point, but it's just like, we need to be cautious of fashionable diets mm. um, and be critical when we look at them. But I, I think as dietitians and nutritionists, we're happy to take that brunt at looking at these new ideas and saying, well, you know, we, we summarize it as a, as a science and look at what people are putting out there, find if they actually are evidence-based and if over a long time, they're actually beneficial for a human and a human society. And then we can offer that back and let people know that they can calm down. But yeah. Mm. Yeah. I would say if anyone's telling you and pointing a finger at you and saying, do this, do this, you must like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it because they're, you got to think about why, why they want you to do it and why, why they're benefiting from it. Yeah. I, I love that idea that like every person and everybody is different, like not only in like their makeup, but also like just stuff as simple as like, taste um you know that nothing's going to work for every person and that yeah. as long as you're like nourishing your body that's the that's the main thing right yeah and and even if um like as we're recording this i'm in western australia and you're in southern australia we i mean because of you know globalization we do have access to quite similar food systems but let's say you and i were in completely different food systems and we didn't have the same climate uh, and we were told that we had to eat a certain way, but I didn't have access to half the food that I was being told to eat. Mm. Um, again, that kind of comes back to the grassroots of what is what is eating and what is diet. And, um, mm. Yeah, you know, eat eat what's what's available to you because people have different limitations and um, different preferences, and and then physiologically, people have different like actual you know sizes and needs and. Some people are allergic to things that other people are saying you need to eat all the time. And it's just yeah. so exhausting. I feel so bad for the world sometimes. I'm like, oh, you know, it's so confusing out there. Like it, it feels like we, like globally, the realization is kind of dawning on us that there is no one unified way to do anything. Like there's no one unified way to have a family mm. or one unified way to eat or one unified way to to dress and it's kind of we're all slowly realizing that oh maybe this homogenization of the world <laughs> is a bad thing <laughs> oh maybe variety and diversity is what we should be aiming <gasps> yes. for oh who would have absolutely. thought absolutely paul's sweater Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah um if you'll oblige this metaphor or this analogy um you would have heard a little bit through the um the surge of diet culture, as I said, right at the start, it can be quite positive as well as toxic. From the positive end, people have been learning about the importance of what's going on within their body, particularly in the gut, which is pretty much mm. food goes in through your, your food pipes down to the stomach, gets mushed up into the, some sludge, <laughs> and then it moves through into your gut where it kind of really gets things happening. And we've got all this bacteria in there 
called it, and we turn, we call it the microbiome. And it's kind of like this really colorful family of really diverse things. And the point being like that will only thrive if it's really diverse. If it's got a lot of different bacteria with different names, different, you know, you know, funny scientific names and different origins. And it comes from a diverse diet and even diverse, you know, travel and, and different things you're exposed to. You need a variety. And if your microbiome is not full of that and it's not colorful and it's looking very vanilla, if you will, <laughs> um, it's very associated with like illness. And I love applying that to the world and saying, well, if we just look to our gut, and, you, know, <laughs> they, you know, we can learn from our gut. We need that. We need that variety and we need to eat it and then it will be within us. And then if our society feeds and lets, lets variety kind of glow and shine and do its thing and see more diverse everything, um, I think intrinsically we'll be doing, we'll be better. We'll be a less ill society. That's a really nice metaphor. Yeah. I really enjoy that. A thread that I kind of link through all of this is, um, I, I think we'll probably dive into this on a later Taboo Tuesday episode because it's a whole a thing in itself but I feel that there is a lot of like fat phobia uh, underpinning a lot of diet culture a lot of um, people feeling the need to restrict themselves like also underpinning um, you know uh, a lot of eating disorders as well like is that um, like what connection do you make there Naomi? I'm glad you mentioned it um, because again, it's one of those things that doesn't, doesn't work. And for some reason we keep coming back to it and we keep, you know, it's a, probably the biggest word that people use, you know, I am this, I am fat. Um, I think like, it's not a, it's, it's not a positive word. Um, and then people, they might even say, no, it's fine. I'm just fat. Um, like it's like, it's their identity. Like, like their size is something that they should be attributing to their worth or something they should I don't know. I just, I hate that it's a fat phobia. Um, as a dietitian, like often people will come to you and want to lose weight or they'll be referred to you to try and lose weight. Um, and definitely um, some lots of chronic diseases are associated with carrying some extra weight around that your body doesn't need. Um, and I, I'm really cautious of talking about this because um, again, everyone's really individual and you can't almost, you can't almost talk about it on a populational level because people have different stories and different bodies and a different tendency. Like people are, do have, you know, their bodies sometimes want to carry that because they have, you know, just mm. because, and it's more complex than we can imagine. Um, but when people come to me and I need to lose weight, I, I, I like to practice as long as I can not to be like, great, get on the scales. How many can we lose in two weeks? You know. Um, it's all about connecting that person back with, um, are they enjoying their food? Are they able to move? Are they able to breathe easily? Are they, do they feel confident in their future? Um, what do they want to address with their health? Rather than saying, oh, great, yeah, we need to get you to a size that the world thinks is correct. Mm. Um, there is really interesting research at the moment um, that I couldn't like refer to directly because I haven't read it enough. But the um, movement is kind of saying that you can be really healthy and um, air quotation fat um, because lots of people do move and they move really well and they eat a really balanced diet full of fibrous and rainbow vegetables and everything. Um, and, and then if the world's telling them that they shouldn't look like that, but, they're, but I'm doing everything that the world is also telling me, it's just this awful place. So mm. um, 
I guess my response is to always, I really try to make people feel comfortable in, in my presence when I talk about it, knowing that I carry the term dietitian, which is often not a safe word for people. And yeah, so I, I like to make people feel really understood and valued and, and refocus onto what actually matters for any size and any, any gender, any race, religion, mm. everything. Mm. Um, what are you living for and how can I help you get to where you want to be? Um, and things like that. Because, yeah, the reality is you don't want to be living with a chronic disease that changes the way you, you know, every day can be. It can be quite painful and very debilitating and shorten the time on earth with people you love. Sounds a bit dramatic, but it can. So it does matter. Um, but I don't think um, telling everyone or people thinking that fatness is the reason, the cause and the, po- yeah. and the poison, I think. it's Yeah. Like it's not... It's not an indication of health, right? You can't tell if somebody's healthy just by looking at them. Yeah, and a bit controversial, but have you heard of the BMI? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we do use that because it's one of the only tools that's kind of available for not just basing it on weight. So it's good in that it addresses height and weight. (laughs) But there's so many other factors that Mm. really will tell you about, um, you know, where you're sitting. But the other thing is, again, that data was based on one kind of population category. It wasn't based on mm. every one of us. Um, and it has, it is changing and moving and people like for myself, I'm pretty sure I sit right at the top or just above the BMI category. And I know that I eat really well and exercise and things like that. And there's probably people out there that don't have the knowledge yet. Um, and they, yeah, without, for them to think that they're wrong and they're not doing the right thing because they don't sit in the, you know, this kind of spectrum. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. It's quite arbitrary, isn't it? That's the word. It's arbitrary. It's useful, but only when it's applied in context and like in the health professions, we call it critical thinking or clinical judgment. Mm. Um, You have, yeah, you have to look at that. When I think about diet culture, one of the um, one of the points that I hear thrown around a lot is the fact that diets are intended to fail. Like to some degree, if uh, corporations mm. are profiting off the fact that you want to, you know, have this this life changing experience um, that only runs for like I don't know twelve weeks or something, and then at the end of the twelve weeks, you're like, wow, I. Um, I have lost a lot of weight. I am more fulfilling societal beauty standards, but then they're not because of the the short-term nature of it and the fact that it's just kind of like a, a quick fix in inverted commas rather than a um, long-term change to just incorporate better health practice in your body. Like the fact that you have to constantly keep coming back to this quick fix program. Um, is that something that you see in your work as well yeah absolutely and and it seems to be that people often go on those 12 week try this and they pay money for it and then you know a few months later they'll try another one uh, and no one's hot like if, if you do pay that amount of money to someone they don't stick around like once they've got your money mm-hmm. most of the time I'm sure there's some nice people out there and I can't say like, I can't say they're all trying to just take your money. They might be really like, I'm passionate about this. I want to share it with the world. Um, 
but I just don't know if it should work like that. I think it, I don't think it should be allowed because a diet and healthy food is like a human right. I think, you know, being Mm. able to fuel your body, like you didn't ask to come into the world, but you're doing your very best by continuing. And we love having you here um, (laughs) to address to all humans. Um, (laughs) And you know, like everyone should be able to just be able to eat freely. And if they need guidance, it shouldn't be like, it shouldn't be have a barrier of finance and things like that. Mm. Um, And and again, I would say if anyone's telling you like, this is how it has to be, this is gospel, this is truth, this is, you know, you need to eat this, get on this course, pay us a thousand dollars and we'll sort you out. It's also like, I know I'm a dietitian, so my life is very food centric, but food is not the only part of life. It's very big part of life, but you will never solve your problems just by changing the way you eat or doing a bit of this exercise for, you know, a certain course with a certain, certain, you know, person who happens to spend all their time exercising and mm. looking a certain way. Um, and yeah, oh gosh, my dream would just to have, have like a completely free community where people can come and share their stories and just cook soups and <laughs> <laughs> curries and pizza and burgers and cake. And everyone just gets to enjoy that, which is kind of what, you know, people go through their lives wanting to do. And those are kind of the highlights. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I definitely think those courses and those, um, but yeah, they're built not to last. I hope that the people genuinely want them to last. But from my experience, I've, I, I've not worked with anyone who's been on one of those restrictive or really prescriptive diets mm-hmm. for more than a year. And if they stick to it for a year and see some, yeah, air quotation results, um, I mean, what does that result even mean? Like a different, a different, you know, size of clothing, a different um, weight or a different feeling. Sometimes people have really great results, which mm. is fun for them, but it might not last forever. And then they're kind of stuck, stuck again and kind of, you know, where do I go now? Um, but if we can just really hit that nail on the head early or at least try start starting now, um, hopefully more people just won't have to go through that tumultuous relationship Mm. with food and their body yeah and if it's like purely an aesthetic thing that it seems so much easier to like come to be at peace with your body and just be happy with how it is rather than trying to go through something tumultuous and and painful Mm. to try and just fit a certain mold that seems Mm. uh really arbitrary really arbitrary yeah really arbitrary and often not even helpful like it's just not helpful I mean I really again trying to break it down like what are we living for you want to love well you want to feel joy you will feel sadness uh and I just don't see where an arbitrary body type fits into that I just don't like telling people that they need to meet that um the core human values are so simple and and I think every body type and every story, every, you know, people are, I don't know. Yeah. And I don't go into the, you know, people in Africa don't get to eat argument because there's also people in Australia who don't get to eat. <laughs> and then there's people who can't eat things because they'll, they're really allergic, like deathly allergic and not just in solidarity with those people, but just from like the common sense of food, food needs to be kept simple and mm. accessible. Yeah. at the end of the day and let's just like 
get a what's that um a machete and just like cut down all of this fat and just like eat a meal together you know that would yeah. be my ideal beautiful it's such a beautiful ideal <laughs> <laughs> Naomi, yeah. you are so wholesome oh. <laughs> what does that even mean i don't even know <laughs> you are a <laughs> whole grain <laughs> oh okay so i like i'm delicious to eat i come right you know a few after a bit of processing from the farm from the oats and then choo 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 maybe i eat it in a sandwich with through the yeah. esophagus yeah <laughs> that's me fuller for longer that sounds like <laughs> that sounds that's like so nerdy <laughs> <laughs> I, I I resonate with whole grains. The poor things they don't really get much. They don't get much love. But Underrated. <laughs> if you ever get the chance, just like smell smell something like a whole grain or a whole oat. Or if you're, I'm on. The, I'm currently living on the wheat belt in WA, so mm. I get to smell wheat quite a bit. But just like try and smell it. This is something that's probably not related, but trying to engage every sense, not just taste with food is so satisfying and I think that can help for anyone out there being like oh I kind of get what you're saying but it's hard to kind of break down like my lifetime of people telling me this is what food needs to be Mm. and so I would just you know have some mindful moments looking at the color of a lemon or Mm -hmm. the thickness of a banana skin smell some whole grain oats or um, some turmeric or ginger and like I don't know, touch honey and like observe how, <laughs> how you know, all those mm. things I think also help. Yeah. Also help. Find the joy in food. It's such a beautiful way to look right. at food. I love that. Yeah. It's enjoyable. It's so enjoyable <laughs> and like very, very easy to do. Mm. Do you have any particular resources that you would recommend uh, around, um, I don't know, mindful eating, uh, intuitive eating that you mentioned, like things that um, people can learn a bit more about if they're interested in banishing diet culture from their lives. <laughs> ah, with a machete, yeah. I love that question. I um, am one to consume a lot of those things. So it might be better if I give you that after our little chat now. I love that. And yeah. pop it in the, in the show notes. Sounds but like again, a plan. I would say... <laughs> All that reading is so good, but I also would say people can start today literally just by, you know, thanking their belly, like um, observing that they can breathe, that they and and really be like, do I have any fresh fruit food around? Can I just smell it or look at it or touch mm. it or you know, throw it in the air and <laughs> see what it brings out? I think that's the first step. It's like you know, take it away from any any other kind of perspective you've been told to look at it from, like it's the enemy and that you don't want too much of it and it won't it won't it's not on your team and yeah just try to start breaking down and building up your relationship with food and your body but i'll send those resources because there's some absolute rock stars out there Mm. thank you thank you naomi you're a legend (laughs) i'm so happy we got to talk to you thank you so much for all of your wisdom and insight and knowledge and the joy that you have brought to our ears and to our screen and to our stomachs and to our stomachs and to our relationships with food. No, thanks for having me. It's a joy. Thank you so much. So much for joining us. Big old thank you to our pal Naomi. Uh, An absolute delight. I learned so much from our chat and I hope that you, our listeners did as well. If you'd like to, uh, check out some of the resources that Naomi has provided us with that she would recommend 
to learn more about this, you can find those in our show notes. And you can also find links to her various websites and or social media platforms because you should follow her. She's delightful. And we'd like to leave you with a choice quote from Jamila Jamil. Caution, there may be a language warning, but the diet industry deserves it. At first, people said what they always say when a curvaceous woman speaks out. They were like, oh, you're jealous and bitter. That's why you're saying that your feelings are hurt, because you haven't managed to achieve thinness. And yet now, when I am slender and I'm saying all the same things, people accept it and celebrate it. And I think that's a big part of the problem and I think some people feel like I'm speaking out of turn now that I'm slender I'm speaking about images for women of all sizes that I can't any longer relate to but no one's gonna listen unless someone says it whoever that person is it's a good thing if it's being said and I fully plan on passing the mic to other people who are currently living that experience this is just a start to open the door, to kick the door open for women of all sizes, of all ages, of all minorities. This is just me trying to Trojan horse my way in to get the message across that something needs to change because we're killing teenagers. The eating disorder numbers are the highest they've ever been. Teen cosmetic surgery is the highest it's ever been. Self-harm is the highest it's ever been. And teen suicide are at record numbers. It's just not worth it. The beauty industry isn't worth it, especially the correctional side of the beauty industry. It's not worth it. The diet industry can just fuck off. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.